0: on this podcast today right. we are going to talk today about a subject that, on frankly a lot of people church, don't want to talk about absolutely and i was just about. up in that uh, my the treatment center of called lift Off suffering so now i'm back in and the this church. is relationships and by there the book yeah this, uh, this and obviously is your world. if you're in relationship this whether it's All a family right. member friend doing? neighbor whatever, you know i'm doing well suffering is a part of looking forward to the subject because it's something that engage I engage with people all the time because, as a pastor, you don't step away from human suffering. suffering You step in relationships by the book, and in that way, I have a unique perspective. Well, I lived eighteen years of my life apart from God, God. years and and years of experience, and my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships, people, and when I came to, to know Christ, it absolutely transformed that. me from the inside have out, have and, out. A huge capacity and of I began to understand God's wisdom, capacity, wisdom because I dug into His Word, and I saw how much He had to say about relationships.
1: I've been a pastor now for over 45 years, so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I Want to well, you know, you.
0: there's a verse out of Romans 12 that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. And I'll never forget the day I had three weddings and two funerals in the same day. Oh and God. it was like I did a wedding, a funeral, a wedding, a funeral, and a wedding. And uh, to you know, by the end of the day, I was emotionally spent. But I, I think um, because of the way God wired me, and I, I, I do believe the Holy Spirit has given me a gift of mercy. I feel with people, and uh, but all of us have call, been called to do that—that that rejoicing with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That was generally written to Christians. We're to enter into people's lives in the in the good, the bad, and yes, at times the ugly, and uh, and suffering is a common plight to us all. It really is.
1: Why? Why is it sometimes hard for us to to be compassionate, or you know, rejoice with others, weep with others. What, what what gets in the way of us doing that? Oh man, there's so many things.
0: I think we get preoccupied with self. It is incredibly uncomfortable. You know, like um, I do a lot of memorials, and one of the things I try to do is I try to shelter the family away from everybody as the as the memorial is going to be getting started, because people are really uncomfortable at a memorial, and they will say things. That absolutely are not healthy or good or right, and it damages people, because we're nervous, death, suffering, those those very difficult things. I think we're just uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so we will say things or do things that don't help. And, uh, and then also we may have had a prior experience where we said or did something. And so it just it gets our emotions going. And so uh, I don't think there's anybody that could say, Oh, I do that perfectly. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just the uncomfortableness of it. And that's why I wanted to address it. Because again, human suffering, you know, I love out of James chapter 2 when, uh, when James says, you know, when you encounter various trials, Not if you do, but when you do. And the old saying is you're either going into a trial, in other words, you're just about to enter into one. You're in it fully, or you're just coming out of it. Now, what is a trial? A trial is is, is, is a difficult situation, and oftentimes it involves some level of suffering. And that, again, is the human condition. I mean, at this present time as we're doing this podcast, which of us haven't emotionally just uh, had our hearts just ache with what's going on in Ukraine and the invasion of, of Russia into Ukraine? But, you know, to see innocent women and children slaughtered in the streets and in their own homes... It's just devastating. But the suffering that they're going through, the Ukrainian people, is just, it it breaks your heart. But you gotta step into it and you can't just hide and step away with it. But there's certain things that when you know, uh, or when you know certain things, it really helps you to stop feeling so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, actually, I gotta share something with you that I listened to on a Joe Rogan podcast recently. He was interviewing a guy Oh, gosh, I wish I knew the guy's name off the top of my head. But uh, ex-military and now a sheriff. He's an author as well. And he was explaining to Joe that his 10, his level 10, on a scale of 1 to 10 for emotion, Mm. is for him, that was in combat. That was his gnarliest experience in life. And for someone else, like, for example, I think he used the example of a guy sitting at the DMV. That guy's 10 might be a small fender bender that might be the gnarliest thing that guy's ever experienced in his life nonetheless they both have hit 10 Mm. right but his 10 is different than this guy's 10 so what i see you do well and and i think it fits this this um topic is you're able to see that they're at their level 10 yes whether or not you know because sometimes it's hard for someone to go oh that's not that's not that big a deal i've been to combat right Mm -hmm. and um but no matter what the situation is, it could be their ten. Oh,
0: okay. So you hit the first principle of walking into anybody's suffering, and that is, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, said a great statement. He said, "Pain has no measurement." In other words, your pain is 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 your pain. It's relative. Yeah, you don't compare yourself with another person. So, in in relationship, you never want to say, "Oh, you think you got it bad?" You know, it's it's like. Um, I just remember this comedian that was talking about the uh, the uh, two molar um, you know guy who uh, he has two molar teeth you know take or two wisdom teeth taken out the wisdom teeth thing, and uh, and he goes as he's telling the story at the party, here's a guy that goes oh man two two wisdom teeth I had four wisdom teeth and they were all impacted you know and and it just kind of sucks the wind out of the whole story why comparison. Mm. You never want to compare, and you know there will be people that will talk about you know they they lost their job, but just the meeting before them, I met with a, a, a couple that lost their son. I don't go, you know what you think you got a bad dude. I just talked to a couple that lost their son. That would be really inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. So you you are right. Is that is 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 citizens, as people, as friends, as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We want to make sure that we feel with people in their pain and not compare their pain.
1: Yep, yeah, that's so cool. I love that we just talked about that. It just inspires me to just really have a genuine curiosity for people and try to really understand what they're going through—that's
0: it. And now, now you hit. It's so funny because we didn't pr- rehearse this, which is, <laughs> is fun. But uh, you just hit a second thing that is is really helps me in walking with people in suffering. I don't have to say anything. You know, uh, you know. Typically, when people think of suffering, they can, and even if they're not followers of Jesus, the story of Job. I mean, here is a man who is a righteous man, and uh, and all of a sudden his world just blows apart. His children and, and, and sons or daughters in law are all killed. He loses all his possessions. He loses his health. I mean, his whole world came to a screeching halt. All that he had built and his legacy was gone. And for many of us, that that is just like a picture of some of the greatest suffering that everything you built is gone. Mm. Well, he had friends early on, and he read about it in, in Job chapter 2. And uh, it says this. Uh, these are uh, three friends. Uh, Eliphaz the uh, Tamanite, Bildad the Shuddite, and Zophar the Namathite. Heard about all the troubles that had come upon Job. And they set out from their homes. And they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort, comfort them or comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was.
1: No one said a word. No.
0: I, I will never forget my, my neighbor who, uh, when uh, I, I've shared this story on another podcast, but when, um, I had to take my mother off life support and then throw my daughter uh, a birthday, her sixth birthday. And my wife said, hey, don't forget to plant the flowers in the morning. And I'm out there planning, just cursing the day I was born, because I'm going to have to unplug my, my mother and take her off life support, and she's going to pass. And my neighbor just comes walking up, Carl, and uh, says, what are we planting? I think the thing that stood out was he just started planting flowers. Never said a thing. I don't know how long it took. I think it was over an hour. But he just planted.
1: Alongside you.
0: Alongside of me. And then walked away. Did he have to say anything? Did he have to comfort me with words? Did he have to hug me? No. No. See, and, and that's the misconception, is is that, number one, don't ever compare people's pain, number two, you don't have to say anything. Like like um, I remember, um, oh gosh, this was a tough one. I got a call, and this uh, mother and father, their their daughter was in, um, it was uh, a showman in in, in uh, with horses, and uh, and as she was riding, she was doing barrel racing, and. Uh, As she went around one barrel, she fell, and the horse rolled over on her, but rolled over on her head. And her head swole, and the paramedics came, and they tried to resuscitate her, and she died right there in the arena. The paramedic that was doing the resuscitating was her father, and he didn't even recognize his daughter. And I remember driving over going... Oh, Lord, what what in the world do I say?" And I just remember these words inside my head, say nothing. And I get over to the house, hug the father, hug the mother. I said, would you tell me about your daughter? And they took me into her room, and they must have talked for an hour and a half, and I said nothing so if you have a friend family member whoever that is suffering number one don't don't compare their suffering secondly don't feel you have to say anything just listen and that's not easy to do because silence is
1: for especially like for someone like me you know i talk a lot (laughs) yeah well it's easy to listen to someone talk it's it's hard to listen to silence yes But that's sometimes when God does his best work.
0: Comforting, caring, loving in that moment. And you don't have
1: to say anything. That's profound. That's a hard one for me to do. I need to practice. I'm gonna work on that one. Yeah.
0: You know, and and I think a third thing I've learned in in helping people in suffering, and and I've experienced this myself from others, is um, if you're not gonna talk, let them. A leading question can absolutely, like, like I, with this one, one couple, a leading question can take you down a road that is so beautiful. And like, like for me, you've heard me say this because I'm bedside with a lot of people that are dying. And I did this recently. And usually when I go in, I greet the family and things. And then I go bedside with the person that might be dying. And I will say, so, do you have any questions? And you'd be surprised. All of a sudden, these questions come out and they'll start talking about their fear and you know, their apprehension and their not knowing and their doubts. And, and I just listen. It's not the amount of questions. It's the right question. Like You might say, um, do you fear what's about to happen? Do you, are, are you excited about what's going to happen? And, and so you just pose a question and then, once again, let them do the talking because you know as an individual do you, would you rather speak or listen usually most of us want to be heard yeah we
1: want to be heard
0: yeah and and so that's to me the art of walking through suffering you don't compare you don't have to say anything but a leading question can take you into a exploration that is so beautiful and uh you know, like I remember asking this one man, he was dying of cancer, and I said, uh, so what's your, what's your final desire before you leave this earth? And he goes, I just want to talk to my estranged son. I said, wow. I said, where is he? And he told me and I said, would you mind if I called him? He goes, he won't come. I said, let me just call him. And so I called the son. Son came. It was just. I sat back and watched them talk. All I did was connect a father with his estranged son. And then I'll never forget the son left. And uh, he goes, I'm ready. I said, I bet you are and i've got a 10 minute drive from his house back to church and his girlfriend called me before i got to the church and said he's gone i'll never forget that not only to walk with him in the suffering but to do something about his final hours or day whatever on this earth and uh, and so Yeah, it's awkward to enter into people's suffering or their impending death, but man, the opportunity that you have, kind of the right placement of a word, uh, an apt question, the ability to listen to somebody, uh, not judge their suffering, oh my goodness. And by the way, I just mentioned kind of a fifth thing, and that is so oftentimes when people go through suffering, uh, they believe lies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like their suffering is never going to end or that God doesn't care that somehow he's silent, that he's not doing anything. So would that have to do with the vulnerability? Yeah. Yeah. And so so knowing God's word and being able to speak truth, asking permission, of course. Like I, I remember this uh, this guy that he was so angry. He said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and God did nothing. And all of a sudden, a couple of verses came to me, and I said, could I share something of, to speak forth what God is saying to me? It's His voice. Because by the way, when you read the Word of God to people, that's God's voice. Right. And it was interesting because it's a, read these verses to him, he got incredibly emotional because he had gotten so bitter prior to his death. And I actually asked him the question, is this how you want to enter into glory? And he broke down. He said, no. I said, "Then listen to the truth of these scriptures. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's got you in this. You know, we know from Scripture that He never sleeps nor slumbers, He works all things according to His will. And uh, yeah, it's hard to understand. And uh, I said, but mystery is. Uh, you know, out of 1 First Corinthians, First Corinthians 13, it says that, you know, We see through a glass dimly, but then one day we'll see him face to face, and all things will become clear. Yeah, and so, so the opportunity to, uh, to share truth with people in their suffering, because believing a lie, letting them hold on to a lie, what kind of friend would I be, if I let them hold on to a lie? And, And so, so being able to speak the truth into them. Now I ask permission. I don't just. I just don't throw scripture at people, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, there's um, that that tool that you gave me that unsolicited counsel falls on deaf ears. Yeah. I have learned so much from that, and it's, it's something that I continue to learn from. But when when it's time to speak up, making sure that it's the appropriate time by asking permission. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you taught me that.
0: Now, by the way, there are certain things and when suffering, like... Um, uh, a guy named Andy Stanley said something that years and years ago just grabbed me, and that was, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I'm not going to be able to manage the suffering of the whole world, but I can manage the suffering that God puts in front of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I want to take advantage of that. There have been times that I have walked with people literally daily. I had a friend of mine who went through such intense suffering and... Um, through an attempted suicide and uh, literally walked with him uh, for, I think it was about two and a half years where he was trying to recover his life. And every day was, was painful to keep moving. And, but we texted every day, talked on the phone almost every day. And, and so sometimes God calls you into kind of an unbelievable walk in suffering with somebody. And, uh, and that is a distinct privilege to be able to do that. And God's given uh, my wife and I abundant opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. But again, <laughs> you can't do that with everybody. But there will be certain people God will say, walk with them. And you call it a distinct
1: privilege. Well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, oh, go ahead. Okay. It is.
0: Because who am I? Who am I that God would call me to walk alongside of the suffering? I I think all around the world today, there are people, agents of love, agents of compassion, agents of comfort. As Jesus said, you're going to be my hands and my feet, my voice into this world. So it is this utmost calling. You see, the reason we get nervous and and, uh, awkward around suffering... Is we make it about us, the awkwardness goes away when I when I make it about the object, the person that is suffering, and the calling God has given to me. So yeah, I don't take I don't say that lightly that it's a distinct privilege, mm. but I also don't say it's easy.
1: It's not easy. No, you know that I had a friend a couple of years ago through go through <sighs> a difficult season, and I yeah it was challenge a huge challenge, and um, so glad we got through it. Yes, uh, that was, you know, I went through, <laughs> you know, one to your ten thousand. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's um, it's just it was it caught me when you said distinct privilege because it, it is to be that person is a privilege. Now that I'm really thinking it through, but it was hard.
0: Well, look at look at all the things that you could you could apply that distinct privilege. It's a distinct privilege for me to be married to Debbie Hurt. Is it easy? No, marriage takes a lot. I mean, she's an incredible person to love, but you have to work through the, the difficulties, the challenges together. It, marriage isn't easy. Parenting isn't easy. <laughs> schooling isn't easy. Work isn't easy. So when you look at it as a distinct privilege, it's, it's, it's the idea of the prize is worth the price that you gotta pay. Get, right? And to me, the prize of helping someone to just feel God's comfort, God's love again, peace, those kind of things, wow,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Well, this, this is a, it's an interesting topic for me. You know, my mom was killed by a drunk driver when I was five years old. Yeah. And um, I was so young that it's really hard for me to remember much of that season of life. But then again, I lost my dad at 21 years old, which was t- uh, to our surprise. It wasn't something we expected. Um, and I couldn't tell you any person that said any specific thing to me that changed mm-hmm. it, but it was the people that were just, sh- that showed up. Yeah. And so to your point exactly, you don't have to say anything, but we are called to be there for the people that are going through loss. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, again, the listeners would never have known that about you because you're one of the most joyful individuals I've been around. Stable as all get out. You're a, you're a man's man. People love to be around you. I love to be around you. <laughs> nice. But if you had never told me that story about your mother, the story about your father, I, I would never know it. And, and what you learn in suffering is everybody has a story of pain. Mm-hmm. Chuck Swindoll said, if, if you speak to the suffering, you'll never lack it off audience. Why? We all have our story of pain, and and what's what makes us wonderfully community is when we share our story. But you got to know your story. Some people hide from it. Some people are ashamed by it. You know, there's some suffering that is from within. In other words, we create our own suffering. But most suffering comes from outside. Things we're completely out of control with. It comes on us, and and. But some people don't want to talk about it, but they need to be drawn out. So I'm not hesitant. Say, tell me about your story. And if if they kind of give me the happy story all the way through their lives, man, have you ever really struggled or gone through suffering? And all of a sudden they'll change their demeanor. I'm not afraid to ask them that question because I'm genuinely interested. Because I believe who we are is way more framed by our suffering than when life was good. I mean, I look at, at who I am as a man. It's I've been chiseled through pain. You know, it wasn't, uh, yeah, you learn things through the good, but by and large, the greatest growth comes through the pain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is so true. Jesus changed the world by suffering. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you think of the descriptive statement about Jesus, he was a man of sorrows, accompanied by grief. Woohoo! that's what I want. No, that's what made him so loving. He had been shaped by his own pain and shaped by the pain of others. That's why he was so unbelievably attractive because in Isaiah it says there was nothing about his appearance that would have drawn people to him. So on the outside, Jesus was not magnetic. What, What made him magnetic? was his authentic love that came through the pain of his own experience and the pain of others. I mean, you think about the story of Lazarus. His really good friend dies. And then his, his two sisters blame Jesus. And then on the way to the grave, yeah, literally it said he was angry because he hated sickness and death. Then it says he weeps because he's compassionate. And then it said he was angry again. Why? Because of sickness and death. He hates it. God never wanted death or sickness. And so Jesus was really chiseled by pain.
1: So those are, those are really the, the suffering categories, right? Death, pain. And sickness. Well, yeah. sickness and pain are kind of the same, but because yeah. it's not always a loss of a person that that takes us into suffering. It could yeah. be. I mean, in this day and age, I feel like uh, you know one of the big conversations is drug use that causes a lot of suffering within families. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What are other areas where these oh. these this conversation today we can apply it to to our lives? Well, again, there's a spectrum of suffering, but again, you don't want to use too much of, of the
0: measurement idea. But you yeah. know, I. I I can think about just the last few weeks as I've dealt with people. I think, you know, um, uh, an individual who found out his partner had embezzled so much money they're gonna lose their business. And this is how he's provided for his family. And all of a sudden his business is gone and the money is gone. Yeah, his partner might go to jail, but his whole world crashed. Mm. You know, I I think of uh, a, a diagnosis of autism and all of a sudden, this mom and dad, as I'm talking to them, and their whole world is now shifted. Because now, the kinds of dreams they had when their, their son was born is now way different because he has autism. You know, you, and so, so you think of suffering. It could be a a, a, you know, a doctor, you get a, a evaluation and he goes, I'm sorry to say, and, and then he names the malady. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oftentimes it is sickness. You know, but but then it could be a death sentence. I'm sorry you have Lou Gehrig's disease. Then the person knows they're gonna die. And then all of a sudden their dreams are are cut short. Yeah, I I just dealt with a family uh, uh, with a suicide. And it was another fentanyl one where the cocaine was laced with fentanyl and the son didn't know that and died. Mm. And so there's so many ways that people suffer And, uh, but it's, it's my job and your job and, and as, as people that care to step into it.
1: Wow. Heavy stuff, but good. Really good. I'm so glad we have this talk. What, um, so what are we going to be digging into with the podcast? Where are we going from here? Yeah. I
0: think we need to take a step up and a lighter topic. Okay. What what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in whatever you, wherever you want to go, I'm coming with you. Okay. (laughs) And, and what
0: I'd like to talk about is, is, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about memories, memorials, uh, what are called Ebenezers in the Old Testament. I want to talk about in relationship, building Ebenezers, building memorials.
1: Oh, I and love that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's something like, uh, because all of us are storytellers, but sometimes we forget and the only way you can be a good storyteller is when you remember. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that next week.
1: Cool. Well, again, you can reach out to us. For those of you who are listening, we have an email address. It's relationshipbythebook@outlook.com. at outlook.com. You can find us on the different social media platforms. Just search Relationship by the Book, and you should be able to find us there and uh, we welcome any comments suggestions questions Um, really appreciate those of you who have already reached out and um, looking forward to next week so am i thanks michael